And here we go. The Spristus Goose. <laughs> I don't apocalypse on Shabbos. <laughs> Trump Shabbos. <laughs> I say that doesn't sound like too good of a story for him then. <laughs> yes, it's an 80s film, but it's a quintessential 80s film. That motherfucker gets me excited about science. But yes, I, I do think that this movie requires a couple more views. I have the same cup size as Doc Hawk. <laughs> Give me my sandwich. <laughs> no crusts. Was it an instant classic for you? Uh, no. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moviegoers of all ages, welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender, and with me as always is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other, don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. It's a good movie. You should see it. Two <laughs> thumbs way, way up. <laughs> I don't sound like that. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> it's a good movie, and you should go there. <laughs> hey, Justin. Hey, Zachary. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? You had a, you had a big day today. I did. Today was my last day at the work job. On to Ooh. a new adventure. Moving on up. Yeah, That's to the awesome. east side, to except it's more south. Yeah. San Diego. <laughs> Not so much in the sky, but I'll take yeah. it. Well, that is awesome, and I am super excited for you. Um, it is just going to give me another reason to go to the sunny state of California. Heck yeah, man. I could take you where I grew up. It'll be yeah. lots of fun. It'll be hand-holding. Yeah. Can you take me to where you lost your virginity? Uh... We would have to go to a different place, but yes. <laughs> My closet. I think, I think different people live there now. Uh, uh, yeah, dude, uh, I am excited. Um, I think last week's episode was fantastic, and I am excited for today's episode, because what are we doing? We are doing Batman Forever. But that is... is too long. <laughs> forever, forever is a long time. Especially when it's like two hours and six minutes. Yeah. We are also doing Batman and Robin. We're comparing oh. the two. I it looks like I had a typo on here, and it says Batman Returns, which is inaccurate. But <laughs> <laughs> I wish you came back. Hold, please. Uh, yeah, so we are doing the... Hold two. the phone. The bat phone. <laughs> Uh, I'm excited for this. These movies were when I, I talked about last week. Um, on last week's episode, I talked about how I was a lot younger when Batman and Batman Returns came out. And for these, I was a ripe age of uh, eight and ten, respectively. Um, so I understood everything. I even remember the McDonald's merchandise. When you would go to McDonald's, you could get the, the glass mugs. And they had, like, the Riddler's cane. The question mark was the handle for the mug. And then uh, for Batman's, uh, I think the Batarang was the handle for the mug, and so on and so forth. Um, I feel like the Batman and Robin mugs were taller, and then the Two-Face and Riddler mugs were shorter. I think so, yeah. Because um, I remember Two-Face's was his coin, and it was, like, flipping. It was ever-flipping, and that was uh -huh. the handle. But, yeah, I, I, I believe that they were shorter. I, I wish I had those still. Those were pretty awesome. So, um, and clearly these two movies were marketed towards toys and merchandise. And we will talk about that in the ensuing podcast. Um, 
But we are going to start with Batman Forever. We have a long episode, and I'm excited. So hopefully you guys are wearing your Depends, so you don't have to leave. You can go to the bathroom in your pants, because that's what I'm doing. Um, oh, yeah. So Batman Forever in 1995. Uh, Justin, what are some good movies that came out in 95? Oh, Desperado. Oh. <laughs> Mortal <it>. Kombat. That's... <laughs> 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 That's the only ones I can think of off the top of my head. Didn't Speed come out in 95? Oh, maybe. Uh, 12 Monkeys. Oh, yeah. I really like um, that. We, we might have to do that movie. I haven't seen it in a long time, and I like Terry Gilliam, and I know Dave doesn't like Terry Gilliam. No, he doesn't like him at but, all. But, but Dave, that, that movie's interesting because of the time travel and yeah. you know post-apocalyptic because of the virus. Um, I don't know. There's a lot going on in that movie. Yeah, I know. I dig it a lot. Clueless 7. Ooh. The Usual Suspects, Heat, Casino, Carmine Left, <laughs> <He's not here. laughs> Carmine's got. Uh, that's good stuff. Uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Ooh. Bad Boys. That's a, good, that's a good year for movies. Yeah. A real good year. Babe. Edmund Hawken. Strange Days. Did you ever see Strange Days? That movie's crazy. Uh, isn't Christian Slater in it? No. no. Like Ray Fines and Oh no, I haven't seen it. I'm thinking of uh True Romance. Oh yeah, that was like in ninety three. Tarantino mm. wrote that. Yeah. Yeah. Empire Records, holy shit. Oh, that is like the soundtrack to my life, man. I love that movie. Showgirls. <laughs> rap, rap, rock, <laughs> Whitney <Yeah>. Houston. <laughs> it's from my oh. girlfriend. <laughs> shit. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of good movies. 95 was where it was at. Michael Jackson's History album came out. Oh. Right, right around the same time as Batman Forever, actually. Ooh. Summer. That's neat. And I had, um, that, had that video Scream with Michael and Janet. Oh, yeah. I like that song. Yeah, it's good. Too bad about everything that came to light this last year. But anyways, moving on. Um, right. <laughs> so, uh, Batman Forever stars Val Kilmer. Tommy Lee Jones, Jim Carrey, Nicole Kidman, Chris O'Donnell, Michael, did we say Michael Guff or Gow? I say go. Michael Go, Pat Hingle. I say go, you say fight. Go, fight. <laughs> Pat Hingle, Drew Barrymore, Debbie Mazar, and a whole bunch of people. Sure. And Directed <laughs> yeah. by Joel Schumacher. Oh, yeah. By the way, which is worth mentioning because I like it the Lost Boys, I like it the the Falling Down. Falling Down is awesome. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Flatliners. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I forgot Flatliners. <laughs> a, 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 depart, a departure for sure from uh, the Tim Burton world. But uh, Schumacher took the reins on this one. And there was some controversy behind that because Tim Burton was supposed to potentially helm this film. Um, and it just kind of fell through. Uh, I believe he was still a producer on it, though. Right. Um, well, well, what does the, that mean? I mean, he didn't yeah. he's got his name on it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, but if you have your name on it, then it does well. So, um, but yeah, uh, he he definitely took this in a different direction. Uh, it was a lot brighter and a lot less dark and violent. Um, so yeah, uh, what did so with that though? <laughs> Batman, Re Batman Returns wasn't wasn't 
uh, it wasn't a bad movie. I really liked Batman Returns. I said it was my favorite. You said Batman was your favorite from those two. Uh, how did Batman Forever do critically, though? Ooh, it is. I mean, it was, I remember even when it came out that not a lot of people liked it. Uh, critics, that that is. I think fans, at least people my age. So I was 15 when it came out. Um, we enjoyed it as 15-year-olds, but uh, it doesn't age well. It's not that good. But I remember when I first saw it, I was like, oh, man, Batman's cool. He gets the girl because he's got a sweet car. Because <laughs> he can sing "Kiss from a Rose." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he breaks out into sing song before he beats the shit out of bad guys. <laughs> uh, but as far as critics go, uh, your buddy Gene Siskel he says uh, it doesn't add up to much, but it's certainly entertaining. Hmm. hmm. I don't know about all that. That's what that's what people say about my love life. <laughs> yeah. <I don't> know. <laughs> Oh, you're supposed to laugh to make me feel good. <laughs> oh, I wasn't sure. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I no. wanted to be supportive, but I wanted to laugh really hard. I was I was pinching my leg so I didn't laugh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like in that episode of Beavis and Butthead when they're in health class and and the buzz cut teacher's just screaming out words like he's like, We're gonna talk about the penis. And the vagina! They're like holding in like laughs and they're getting red and they can't breathe. And then when class gets out, they just bolt out of the classroom and they just die laughing. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> uh... But as for other critics, uh, let's see here. We have uh, Danielle Salzman. There isn't any fun to be found in watching Batman Forever. <laughs> uh, that ain't right. And then I feel like this Rachel Wagner, I feel like we mentioned her last week in rachelsreviews.net.org.eu.gov, which is <laughs> what made me think of it. Yeah. She gives it a C minus. She says, we get lots of shouting, lame action, and Nicole Kidman spouting 90s era pop psychology. Uh, okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. Dr. Yeah. Wagner. <laughs> 90s era pop psych. I, I'm more of a 2000s era <laughs> pop psych. Yeah, yeah I know. I, you know what's funny is I was a psych major in college, and the all the all the experiments and things, you know, they were like from the 60s and earlier. <laughs> it's like, yeah. is, there, is there any new experiments? And everyone's, the teacher's like, no, it's unethical to experiment on people. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, okay. So everything that we got going here is like 100 years old. All right. Ah. Teach me something. Yeah, same. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> David Sterrett, two R's, two T's, from the Christian Science Monitor. Oh, gosh. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by Joel Schumacher with occasional gestures towards social commentary and enough spectacle to mask the movie's deep down emptiness. Wow. Oh, actually, I kind of like that. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> yeah. Matt Brunson from Creative Loafing. I like the sound of that. As for Two Face, my favorite Batman baddie on the printed page, Tommy Lee Jones makes a complete mockery of the character with a broad performance that's difficult to stomach. I might have to agree with Matt Brunson. I totally agree with that. I don't know if it's hard to stomach, no. but I, I don't enjoy it. Um, I don't know if there's any more positive reviews. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, oh, okay, here we go. Owen Gleiberman from Entertainment Weekly. 
By now, Jim Carrey is doing sarcastic takes on his own sarcasm, and there's something funny and a little scary in that. Wow. Huh. So he, he's already had the Ace Ventura, you know, and obviously the In Living Color. Oh, yeah. Fire Marshal Bill. You know, Cable Guy is one of my favorite Jim Carrey movies. Yeah, it's an interesting dark comedy. I, I know. enjoy it. I was, I was like the only asshole in the theater laughing when I saw that movie. <laughs> I think it's funny. We, it's we, we were quoting it the other day. We were doing Porno Password. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no ifs, ands, or buts. Oh, there's yeah. going to be but. Big one. Big one. <laughs> it's okay. You buy, I buy this time. You buy next. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Not a single grip. It's gross. Okay. Um, but that's that's pretty much it. Um, yeah. I think I think that pretty much sums up how we feel about this motion picture show. Although, I, mm-hmm. to be fair, 15-year-old Justin who was very excited to see this on opening day, and I had a good time. I was with my whole family, so... A lot had to do with it. I was basking in the ambiance and excited for more Batman. But adult Justin definitely has a hard time uh, stomaching this movie, as uh, as our buddy Mr. Matt Brunson says. Yeah, agreed. Uh, well, so you gave your $6 to the movie. What did the uh, entire world give it? Domestic box office was $184 million. Uh, Foreign box office was 152. Bringing us to a grand total of 336 million worldwide. Why? I guess you. I, I guess you could say that that was pretty successful then. Triple Don't digits, you. baby. <laughs> Triple digits. <laughs> Good. Uh, I enjoy that. I I like that a Batman IP can do very well and gross more money because then it just means more Batman property. Um, in terms of the IP for this film, though, I, the only thing I really saw were toys. Um, and then we talked about, like, the McDonald's tie-in. I think McDonald's had a huge influence on this movie. Um, did it spawn off to anything that you know of? Besides, like, I think there was a comic book that was made post-movie. But did you remember anything that it kind of spawned off to? Or is it kind of like the forgotten son of the Batman franchise? Actually, you know what? This is really interesting. Uh, at Six Flags Magic Mountain, in California, they had a Batman stunt show, hmm. and it was pretty much a parody to Batman Forever. You know, the the main actress in it that had a speaking role <laughs> was someone uh, casted as um, Doctor Chase Meridian, who would be Nicole Kidman's character. Um, and, hmm. then, and then Batman and Robin were definitely saying things, but I think it was pre-recorded because they're too busy doing flips and kicks and flying all about the place. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's also a ride. So uh, there was a Batman ride at Magic Mountain as well as a Riddler ride. And the Batman ride, you sit down and you're on the outside of the track and you have a harness over you and your legs are dangling. And then the Riddler ride, you're actually standing up and you're harnessed in. Um, I That's so funny that you say that because now I start to remember it because 95 was the time that I went to Disneyland for the first time with my family. Um, and I remember seeing something like that for Six Flags. And I always thought it was so cool because it came out, you know, obviously around the time that this was there. We didn't go to Six Flags, but we went to Universal instead. But I remember Six Flags was an option and they had those rides. So that's funny that you say that because that brings back these these memories. Yeah, I honestly haven't thought about it until you 
just ask me. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh yeah, there was a run and, a, and an action spectacular that I got to sit through. It's like you were waiting for me to ask you, yeah. prompting prompting me to. And their idea of Gotham City is just like like a sort of a steamworks, a lot of pipes, a lot of <laughs> a lot of gross buildings, a lot of steampunk everywhere. Yeah, there. a lot of a lot of valves. <laughs> like, I'll turn this for a little while, see what happens. <laughs> well, well. I mean, if I see a, if I see like a little wheel or a valve, I'm. I'm, I'm turning turn it. I'm turning it. You don't know what's gonna happen. No. Chocolate can come out of that fountain. Yeah, it's fine. No big deal. Um, so that was a really fun fact because uh, I did you. Yeah, you brought it up, and I hadn't even have thought about it in, in a very long time. Uh, a couple other l- fun little facts. Uh, so Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey did not like each other filming this movie. Um, it's speculation. There's a lot of backstory behind the. Behind this, well, in the behind the scenes aspect of this film, where there was just Tommy Lee Jones was hard to work with, and so was Jim Carrey, um, Val Kilmer, kind of the same thing. He was kind of a prima donna. Um, there was just a whole bunch of issues, but yeah, they didn't like each other. Um, yeah, Val- I can imagine there's a lot of egos on this set, especially at this time in 1995. Tommy oh, yeah. Jones was in every goddamn movie. Jim Carrey was the highest paid actor, and like fast forward just a few months, you know, and then um, obviously Val Kilmer was riding off the high of uh, Tombstone. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And Chris O'Donnell was in Runaway Bride. I don't know. <laughs> or whatever movie that was. <laughs> he, he was in a Hoo-ya! movie. Uh, Son of a Woman. Ah, there you go. With uh, Sounds Albert like Teen Albert Spirit. Albert. Yeah. Um, so Michelle Pfeiffer was considered to reprise her role as Catwoman, but they just kind of didn't didn't roll with it for this one. Um, I thought this one was really interesting. So uh, they were thinking about using Brad Dorif as a uh, scarecrow in this film. Brad Dorif of Chucky fame and um, Grima Wormtongue from Lord of the Rings. I think that would have been really cool. Uh, Brad Dorif, just like Mark Hamill, is a very good voice actor. Um, he's also a pretty solid face actor. <laughs> <laughs> actor, actor. <laughs> so. Yeah, he's got, he's got a pretty sweet face. Yeah. I could look at it for three and a half hours, extended edition. Um, Mark Wahlberg, Marky Mark, was considered for the role of Robin, actually. Wow. So... When did Fear come out? Uh, around that time, because Bush had 16 Stone, that album. Yeah. And that had Machine Head on it, which was in that movie. There you go. So uh, a buff Robin would have been funny. He just would have pounded his chest a bunch. Um, 96 was Fear. There you go, 96. So uh, Bruce Tim, the writer and producer of the greatest Batman the animated series, <laughs> said in an interview, I did not enjoy Joel Schumacher's Batman at all. <laughs> it is not a good movie. You should not go there. You should not say it, Bruce <laughs> Tim. <laughs> that's a shame. This puts it bluntly. So, um, all right. Well, that's all I have for interesting trivia. Let's jump into it because we've got a whole lot to unravel. So, Justin, <laughs> Batman Forever 1995, what did you think? Oh, man. Um, when I first saw it, I, I remember enjoying it. I did I did remember thinking that the fight scenes were kind of weird because I couldn't really tell what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of weird close-up shots and, um, you know, things were happening, but I couldn't tell what was happening. And I hated Two-Face. Like, right from the get-go, I just hated the way he was portrayed. I didn't like him as a as a circus clown, just kind of going all crazy and acting all weird. Um, I prefer him more like sitting in a chair and being 
grumpy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not, not, yeah. not pouty, but just kind of like, you know, torn and just a mess. Whereas this one was really, really on the nose about having two sides to everything. And it was just obnoxious. Kind of like a mob boss. Like he should have been more of a... Yeah, cool and collected. Yeah, his, his reputation precedes himself and you don't want to piss him off because then he goes all crazy. But then he'll go right back. He could kill a guy, then go right back to sitting down. Like yeah. that's the kind of scary that I like. So I agree with you because you already have the the Riddler, who's incredibly over the top, and Two Face is just matching him essentially. And right. that's one of the myriad of reasons why this film was so out of whack. But and I'm um, okay with Riddler being a little zany because he's he's like out of his mind. You know, he's mm -hmm. an eccentric. He's um, you know a, a babbling buffoon as it were. Uh, but he, he is the smartest man in the room and he, you know, always is like, you know, I'm better than you. I don't care who you are. Just know that I'm better than you. And, and I, at least at first Jim Carrey was a lot like that, but by the end of the movie, you know, he's kind of got like all these weird powers and remote controls and stuff. It just, <laughs> it lost me. So I'm glad you say that. So how I feel about this movie took me a few days to, to really sit on. Um, I remember texting you that I was like, this movie's really bad. But after I stopped and thought about some different things that they were trying to do, I actually enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed it for various reasons. And one of the reasons I would like to talk about is what you were just saying, Jim Carrey's performance. I think that he, for lack of a better term, he nailed it. Um, when I think of Riddler, I think of him. You're, you're right. He, he He's very intelligent, almost to the point of being neurotic. Um, he's obsessed with, with Bruce Wayne, uh, and that gives him his craziness. And I like that he's fun while he's doing something like dangerous and scary. And I think Jim Carrey did a really good job with it. I mean, sure, yeah, you could tone it down. But Jim Carrey knew exactly what type of film this was. And with how campy and, and over the top it was, um, he fit it very well. Right. And I think it, I think it was yeah. playing to his audience. Exactly. And, and so for that, I applaud the shit out of it. Um, because I think that that was one of my more favorite parts of the movie was him. <laughs> um, and, and, and take that for what it's worth. But, you know, it, it, it's not a movie that aged very well. It is something, though, that I had to when I sat on it and, and really kind of thought about it and, um, you know, talked to myself <laughs> about it. It was it, it, it was actually pretty solid. Um, I like it when um, his boss is trying to fire him. And he fastens him to that chair, and then he pushes him out the window. Oh, yeah. And I, there's this moment when he realizes what he's done, and he gets really scared. Yeah. And it's because his device is still attached to his head. <laughs> but I like how he's, like, genuinely scared that he's going to lose his life's work all in that second. It's a really, <laughs> it's a really funny Jim Carrey moment, and I think he totally nails it, and I love that part. Yeah. There are some parts that he was when he was acting i was like oh, okay don't do that eh, you need to stop doing that but i think overall it's like that kind of stuff that little fun stuff it worked now if, if tommy lee jones tried to do that I'd be like dude this is the guy that hunted harrison ford he's not zany he's <laughs> 15 15 mile radius <laughs> yeah. so, on uh, the, the second anniversary with gotham second bank on the second anniversary of when he was arrested or some shit yeah i can't take it and that guard being like Hey, that's my hearing aid. Oh, God. Oh, no, it's Boiling Anson. Oh, gosh. Oh, it's terrible. It's so bad. 
so I do not like, I mean, from the get-go, this movie starts out completely different than we had the Burton films. Uh, we're immediately introduced to Two-Face with still, a cre- you know, the credits are still rolling. I mean, we get, we do get the awesome suit-up scene. I do like the suit-up scenes when it shows, like, you know, the cod piece and the butt and everything. Well, he's, I mean, like, he's like, can I interest you in taking a, or interest you in, like, a sandwich or something like yeah. that? And he's like, I'll get tried soon. Uh, that was such a blatant like product placement from McDonald's. Yeah, go to McDonald's and I'll get a sweet mug. <laughs> I almost remember the commercial being like that, and then it's like, come and get a Big Mac, and I'm like, no, I'm good, man. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it, it's little stuff like that, and I'm not gonna fault them because that kind of shit happens. That was the '90s, right? Um, but you're you're right. The the, the security guard and his over the top ridiculous lines he should have just not said a single word um so there are a bunch of deleted scenes for this movie that didn't make it in that are actually more akin to tim burton style and they're darker they have more psychological meaning um and the the intro was wasn't what it was it was actually showing arkham asylum and it showed two-face escaping essentially um I think that's one of the coolest things of the Schumacher films is we actually get to see Arkham Asylum right. uh, for what it's worth. You know, this was the first time we ever got to see it. Um, and it was, it, it was really neat. So I did applaud that a lot. Um, but we, we could have, we could have had a completely different opening. So there's that. It just kind of jumps right into the action which is okay. I do like the fight scenes. Like, so you were saying you, you couldn't really see what was going on. I liked it because he was actually kicking and punching and moving. But it, in that sense, it was somehow better than the Michael Keaton ones, just because the suit was maybe a little bit better. Right, um, more practical, probably. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, they still weren't great fight scenes, you know? Uh, so one one thing though that I did notice, I mean, I know it's it's very very apparent is is the tonal shift in this film. It's so far from the Tim Burton's world, the world that Burton created this this huge grand scale uh, city and this dark undertone for the films. It's almost like melancholy. Um, Schumacher's films are bright and they have lights everywhere. Uh, there's comedy. Why do you think that Schumacher changed this? You know, I don't I don't know. Maybe I feel like I've heard the answer before. Like I, I watched a lot of Batman stuff with Schumacher. Yeah. Um, but I, it, to me, it feels a lot more comic booky. Um, that's I don't know if that's really a word, but it it almost like it was bringing the vibrant colors of a comic book to life. And in this case, transitioned into film. But um again when i was 15 i thought it was pretty cool like i liked seeing more of the city and uh the buildings and just being like a more grandiose uh, on scale i thought that was kind of cool and, and, a, and a switch up but um it's interesting how our perception changes <laughs> uh as we get older you know and, and our tastes change uh because just watching it now i'm just thinking to myself oh my god this is so bad mm-hmm. but um, I don't know. I, I kind of liked it. I liked all the colors. A lot of pinks. Uh, I mean, I don't really care for the one scene with um, that one gang that's wearing all those neon colors under like a black light. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the ones that try to beat up Robin and everything. But um, I definitely like all the the greens and the pinks coming together. Um, I just think that looks cool. Big city lights. It's a it's a like this is the place to be kind of thing. But what's interesting is when they go to the circus, 
it is almost like that's just taking place out in the middle of the street because that's the way the circus is, is presented. It's like it's literally the same shit that's going on outside. It is mm-hmm. one one big spectacle. Yeah. Um, I, I think you, you kind of <clears throat> hit it right on the head with that. There was an interview with Schumacher, and he was explaining that we have to remember that Batman is a comic book, and it, it was created for kids, and we can't necessarily lose sight. He wasn't bashing on Tim Burton's iteration of it because Tim Burton was the the artist and he created his art. Joel Schumacher in this sense was an artist and he created art. He got to the root of what you and I as kids, as younger people, what we wanted. We wanted the fighting, the ridiculousness, and it was almost akin to a uh, the 1960s Batman, right? The Adam West era. Um, they even have a little callback, like when Robin is like, holy metal Batman or something. Like holy that. rusted metal Batman. Holy rusted metal Batman. He's like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's metal, and it's holy. Full of holes, you know? I watched a, f- a funny little made video when he just goes, huh, huh, huh? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh, but, uh, man. Sometimes those videos just win the internet. Like oh. the whole, like, they're taking the hobbits to Isengard. I've watched that like a thousand times. <laughs> Uh, I love that. So uh, I, I think a, a very obvious answer for the the Schumacher thing, and it, it's glaring, is they, they wanted to sell toys and merchandise. I mean, McDonald's had that huge snafu when they couldn't sell Batman Returns stuff, even though they had posters all throughout Batman or all throughout their McDonald's for Batman Returns. And they were like, holy crap, how do we sell French fries when Penguin is bleeding black blood out of his mouth, right? Um, so <laughs> I'm, not this, I'm, not, I'm not eating that. I'm not eating that. <laughs> um but uh but with this movie it was it was more kid friendly and they were able to do more merchandise with it right the one cool thing though is that Schumacher was really starting to dig into the psyche of Batman so i really really appreciate this and i think that it's something that i want to talk about for the next little bit um another theme that i noticed in the film was obsession so, um, you know, Nigma or the Riddler, he's obsessed with Bruce Wayne. He's Enigma. E Enigma. Um, he's obsessed with Bruce Wayne. He wants to be like him. Remember, he's even like, how's my mole look? Like, he yeah. has a Val Kilmer mole. Um, he is a competitor to him. When he first meets him, he's like, you know, Edward Nigma. Oh, my gosh. Right. Like, or he's like, I'm Edward Nigma. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's uh, like, Ch- I'm your, you're my number one fan. <laughs> Chase is obsessed with Batman, like Chase Meridian. As soon as she sees Batman, she's obsessed with him. And she basically throws herself at him right away uh, without even knowing him. Just a, he's a hero, and she's like, oh, my God, I'm Chase Meridian. Let's have sex, basically. Yeah. Why is she obsessed with him? It's more of the idea. Because he's of- dark and mysterious. Exactly. He's, he's the asshole that showed up at your at your daughter's house with a motorcycle and a leather jacket. Right. Um, Two Face. I, I would say Two Face is obsessed with Batman too. Yeah, he's obsessed with chaos. He's obsessed mm-hmm. with Batman. He's obsessed with the fact that he thinks that like that good shouldn't be in that world, and it's almost like his driving <laughs> Cause, force. Because good is dumb. Because good is dumb. <laughs> Evil will always triumph. Right. Because good is dumb. <laughs> uh, Dick Grayson is obsessed with revenge on Two Face. Um, Bruce is obsessed and haunted by his faults for Harvey. Uh, and then the citizens, they're obsessed with technology. That's what we get with the whole immersive 3D experience, which is kind of Black Mirror-esque, which is really neat. And so that's why I applaud Schumacher's efforts in this. Um, 
with that obsession though i think that many superheroes motivations could be classified as some sort of obsession not just batman but lots of other people superman has an obsession to uphold justice truth and you know whatever Um, justice justice american way there you go so he's obsessed with that uh obsession though isn't necessarily always a good term (laughs) <laughs> it's, not, it's not always something it's not always something that's a positive uh it can be good but it can ultimately be bad and i was wondering what you kind of thought about that in this situation when you look at obsession on a whole for all of these characters and in this movie Ooh, okay well uh i mean did you mention batman's obsession at all yeah oh, yeah yeah so yeah so so bruce is i mean bruce has a lot of obsessions but yeah but i mean he can't take a night off right Exactly. You know, he's trying to coexist and it's a whole thing. And he's like, you know, Alfred's saying, dude, sometimes Batman's got to take off his cape. And he's yeah. like, I ain't got time for that shit. But then he, when he meets, he meets a girl, right? And then he's like, oh, I can do this. <laughs> he's <laughs> this got a is bat, happening. He's got a bat boner. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you're right. I, you know, I never really thought about it before. But yes, it is. Everyone in this movie is absolutely obsessed. And it's, it's damaging. It, it almost kills all of them. And so I think that that is that's such a deep thought that Schumacher put into this, but unfortunately it got overshadowed by the campiness of the film. Because if he would have run with that, he has those those ties that bind all these people together. I think that that would have been a really fun thing to explore. And you give that idea to someone like a Christopher Nolan who can do, or even a Tim Burton, and I think you can really run with that film. I think sure. this film would have been drastically different. But again, it's the the pros and the cons to it. I mean, McDonald's wouldn't have sold as many cheeseburgers, but you would have gotten a better overall film. So I really appreciated the fact that Schumacher put that in there. It's just unfortunately it fell a little short. Right. Yeah. It is interesting because like obsession obviously can fall under a mental health issue. Um, even when you have this a, psych- a psychologist like Chase Meridian, which I think is fascinating that even she is obsessed with something. Exactly. Um, you know, we all have something that we just geek out about or go crazy over. But in in the world of Gotham City, you know, it's just full of crazy people. Yeah, people who paint themselves in neon paint. <laughs> and like... what, what kind of a world we live in where a man dressed as a bat steals <laughs> all my press? <laughs> um. And, like, I admire what they were trying to do with the Riddler. I mean, they made Jim Carrey seem, um, you know, maniacally obsessed with Bruce Wayne, almost, like, kind of stalker-esque. Like, he had pictures of him in his house or in his, like, whatever, his bedroom. His dungeon. Yeah, yeah his, his mama's little, basement. <laughs> yeah, his little laboratory. Yeah. Um, he rides out to his, his house and puts a note on his gate. Yeah, like, how does That's, he just uh, know where he lives? Well, I mean, I think everyone knows where Bruce Wayne lives. Uh, no, yeah. I don't know where he lives. One, two, three, Batman Road. He's just outside of the city limits. <laughs> yeah, one, one, two, one, three, two, three, not Batman Road. <laughs> yeah, he's going to keep it, you know, secret. Keep it secret. <laughs> um, I, I just think they unfortunately were trying to make Jim Carrey way too funny in this, and they couldn't find that happy medium. Um, I wanted more of a dark comedy role from him. Like, I wanted him to be funny, but then also sinister at the same time. Yeah, like, he was never scary to me. No, not at all. He was just a so, total goofball. And that same goes for, um, you know, Tommy Lee Jones. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a single moment in that entire movie where he was terrifying. 
Yeah, and that's just unfortunate because if if you're going for the rogues gallery and you have two of the most iconic villains of all time, you really wasted them by doing that. And I get the whole kid aspect, but you can still give them some sort of appeal where they seem scary, and they just didn't do it. He he just failed on this one, unfortunately. Right, I agree. I mean, I got scared a thousand times as a kid watching kid movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm gremlins like terrifying. Oh my gosh! Shit <laughs> oh yeah, dude, gremlins are scary. Um, you know, even like we were talking about Return to Oz not so long ago. That the Wheelers were downright terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they're just laughing, but I mean, it's that cackle that's and and they're you know this totally weird wardrobe thing that they got going on, <laughs> super <laughs> mega bizarre. Right. You know, and, and it makes you un- it's it's off putting. It's uncomfortable. And um, these villains could have very much done that. If we had no idea what Two-Face was going to do, you know, and he was going to snap at any moment, uh, depending on the uh, the outcome of his coin flip, you know, we should be, you know, riding that wave and that tension, waiting to see what that coin is going to be. And we don't get that at all. You know, um, in Nolan's Batman, uh, Two-Face is completely different, and I think he's played perfectly. So I, I agree. I, I don't think I'd say perfectly for Aaron Eckhart. I think he did a great job. I would have wanted to see more of him as Two-Face, but like right. what we were talking he, talk he about got a, he, got a sh- he got a shortened part, though. Like, he was sure. only Two-Face in the movie for, what, like 40 minutes, and maybe seven minutes of that or eight minutes of that is actual screen time. So it's like he got right. shortchanged. Right. And... But if, if we were able to see him in that kind of, like we were saying, the brooding kind of mob boss look, I think that would have been real, real cool. But you're right. I think he did a fantastic job, and that's the two-face that I wanted to see. Um, yeah. Uh, what I did not want to see was the awful, horrible, disgusting, volatile acting of Chris O'Donnell. Um, I'm sorry. He was god-awful. <laughs> he was so bad as Robin. Um <laughs> First of all, I didn't know how old this guy was supposed to be. I thought Robin was like, so Dick Grayson was like 16, right, when his parents died. And this Chris O'Donnell is like 35. I I don't know how old he is. Um, He's got a real sweet earring in his ear. I guess that was probably during the 90s 90s thing. Um, But (laughs) I hated how how angsty he was. I hated his his dialogue and his deliverance. Everything seemed so scripted and overacted. Um, I really loathed the uh, the laundry scene. Remember mm-hmm. when he was like, "Don't worry, Al, I got it," and he was doing karate with the laundry. Right. Yeah. So he would have been he would have been twenty four when they were filming this. Twenty four. Okay. I know he's talking about college, but I'm wondering if he was like nineteen then, or if he was supposed to be like nineteen or whatever. That's a lot of pressure to put on a nineteen year old to just be like, "Oh yeah, no, you proved yourself. You can be my partner." It's like, dude, <laughs> he just was able to vote <laughs> not too long ago. So I, I, he, he was, it was very hard to keep watching it when he was on. And I, that's not necessarily fair because I'm sure he did the best he could, but I'm sorry. It was bad. <laughs> it was real bad. I really like his outfit. Uh, his, his costume. Yeah. Like I'll, the final, the final one. Yeah. When he comes walking down the steps. Oh yeah. He's no, like, no. he's like, why not both? So, Talking about so, by air, by sea. Like I yeah. loved his outfit. It was yeah. with a yellow uh interior of the cape and black exterior and then just sort of that that red and green look that was pretty badass yeah so say what you will about this movie as a whole and even the batman and robin the suits were pretty badass um so robin's suit was actually designed after tim drake's 
iteration of, right. of Robin, right? So, so when Tim Drake was Robin, it was kind of that same look. And I really liked it. And I, I actually really liked Val Kilmer's look, too. Um, I thought that that was really neat. Uh, the sonar one was cool. Like, that was fun that they had that. Uh, but I enjoyed his, his, his uh, bat suit. I think that that was a very big high point for this film. Um, I also really liked things like the Riddler traps, basically like, you know, the maze and the little, we, we, we poke fun at it, but the little riddles that he actually left for him. I mean, it kind of added something to it. It added something dark. It would have been cooler if there was maybe higher stakes to it. Yeah. Like in saw. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously though. Or, or not having Bruce figure it out like instantly. It's almost like he knew it right away. And I was like, give him maybe some time to sit on it for a little bit or something. Sit on it, Potsy. Yeah. Um, so one thing that Bruce Wayne says is, I think he's talking to Chase. He says, we're all two people, one in the daylight and one in the shadow. Um, I think what he's getting at is duality. And duality is also another big theme in this movie. Um, and I applaud the effort that Schumacher was going with here. Um he used the psychological aspect of Batman as a whole. And we were talking about, I'm sorry, what is your friend's name who wrote that awesome Batman psychology book that I'm yet to buy and read? Oh, Dr. Travis Langley? Yes. Sorry. So, <laughs> oh, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, but he uses that psychological aspect of Batman and he's really t- trying to flesh it out. Um, duality is littered all throughout this film. You know, Two-Face is literal duality. He's two faces. You have both his his angel on his shoulders and his devil on his shoulders depicted by Drew Barrymore and the other guy. I forgot her name. Um, <laughs> so you have, I've seen her in movies. I just don't remember her name. So mm-hmm. I apologize to her. Uh, you, you see the duality there, right? Um, the doll that Chase gives to Bruce, that two-faced... Uh, I don't know, Incan thing or whatever. Um, that same type of thing that's pretty on the nose. And the depiction of more Bruce Wayne in this film than in previous ones. So we have Bruce Wayne versus Batman. In the previous ones, we had Bruce Wayne, but not as much as we do in this. He's fleshed out more. He's trying to find the commonplace between loving Chase as Batman and loving Chase as Bruce Wayne. Um, So I think it's really neat that we're able to dive into that. In some of the deleted scenes, we get more into the psyche of it and how traumatized he is as a person. There's actually a very interesting scene that's a blatant ripoff of um, of, uh, Star Wars when when Luke has to go into the cave to face his fears, essentially, and he fights Darth Vader and he it's him underneath the mask. So it's essentially like that, except Bruce runs into a giant bat. Um, he's facing his fears and that's the only way that he can like go on. Right. So he's constantly at odds with himself, figuring out this duality. Um, what do you what did, did you did you notice that or did you see anything like that in this film? I can honestly say that i never thought about it that way yeah um i thought that that it was it it was pretty obvious when when they had two-face in it and then i started seeing stuff i'm like oh okay i get it two-face is kind of the antithesis to to what batman is where um well i wouldn't even say antithesis. i would say he's almost like a representation of him too bruce has this this guilt and this obsession for harvey which is another thing that they missed the mark on yeah they they don't even explore that by any you see a clip of it for like Three seconds where yep. he jumps over juror members or yep. something. <laughs> yeah, and which was awful. Like that. Right. That was so egregious. But you you do have him be feeling uh, responsible for Har- Harvey's uh, 
disfigurement and the predicament that he's in. Uh, but you have, and I wanted to see more of this where Harvey's conflicted with himself, like two faces conflicted. He's like, Oh, I'm good and bad. No, he was all bad. And that, that doesn't make any sense for two face. Right. The even, part, even his yeah. good, bad was still terrible. Yeah. So you, <laughs> exactly. So you have that duality and that plays a lot into it. And that's what I mean. I think Schumacher missed the mark on it. Cause he, he could have struck Pater if he would have just stuck with that a little bit and maybe had a point when, when Bruce, because I mean, at that point he knew Bruce Wayne was Batman. And if he was like, Harvey, you're a good man or something. And then two face had kind of a epiphany and was kind of going back and forth. I think there's a lot you can do with it. And I think that he was on the right track. I, I just think that Schumacher strayed away from his own idea. Um, and then before you know it, you have a two and a half hour movie that they got to cut down. Exactly. So for, for those reasons, I mean, I, I do think this movie was actually a lot better than what people gave it credit or what they chalked it up to basically. And I actually enjoyed it. Um, at first viewing, like we were saying, I was texting you. I was like, Oh God, this is not good. But I actually enjoyed it. Well, I mean, I think it's okay to enjoy ideas and concepts, but I think in this particular case, when it's all said and done, the finished product missed the mark, and it was one giant missed opportunity. Absolutely. Um, but I mean, I still, and I'll pose this, and I'll just ask you these questions straight up. So was this movie entertaining, Justin? Uh, not this last time it wasn't. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was ever going to end. I know. Uh, but, but when I was a, when I was a boy, yes. I mean, I, I had actually had movie posters for all of the characters in my room. Like I, I loved it that much. I had a Batman poster, a Robin, Chase, Two Face, and um, Riddler posters in my room. Nice. I had I had a Batman Forever bedroom. Did you have them above your bed on the ceiling? Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty sweet. That was Alfred. <laughs> um. With a sack do, lunch. Do you think? Do you think it was cast accordingly? I do. I mean, we were, you know, when you were talking to me last week about uh, cast members for for Batman and everything. Um, at the time, I really liked Val Kilmer. You know, Tombstone was was a badass movie, and I was like, oh my god. And I mean, I, I've always liked Real Genius and Top Gun. So Val Kilmer was a. <laughs> uh, if it wasn't going to be Michael Keaton, then you know Val Kilmer seemed like a, a great choice. I thought right. he did. A, I thought he did a good job. I yeah. actually enjoyed him as Batman. So, um, but what about? Okay, okay. Let me. Riddler. Just... I think Jim Carrey is perfect Riddler. Okay. What? Um, uh, Two Face. Uh, no. Who would you have cast? I I don't know the answer to that really. Um, I liked. I thought it was weird to not have Billy D. Williams since he yeah he was already that character. I, was, I recasting someone's always difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It's just one of those things. Uh, Timely Jones was a hot commodity in 1995, so I guess that makes sense. But I I can't think of anyone off the top of my head that I would have preferred uh, otherwise. But I, from start to finish, it never really felt right to me. Uh, Kevin Spacey, because obviously this was before everything came out. But Kevin Spacey, that's who I was thinking. Um, I mean, he was in seven that year too, uh, but it doesn't matter because Val Kilmer is in other movies in 95. Um, I think that you could have gotten a lot of the sensitive Harvey Dent part, and then you'd get the crazy, what the hell's going on two face from him. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that would have been a fun casting role too. I mean, we see it in usual, usual suspects too. Um, but yeah, uh, who would you have cast as Robin? Because oh, Chris O'Donnell did not do it for me. Yeah, that'd be tough. I mean, it would have to be 
you know, a, a teen, you know, I, I think even like in 95, you know, like Jared Leto from, you know, My So-Called Life, I think yeah. he would have been a good Robin um, or someone in that age group. Um, it's really hard to, to say. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. That, like, but like even like, you know, and uh, Eddie Furlong from Terminator 2, mm-hmm. you know, he was what was great about that role is he was a boy. You know, he was like 12, 13 years old and he looked like a kid. And and that's what's important to me. Like if, if Robin looks like a child as opposed to a a grown man <laughs> or or a young man that has blossomed into manhood, um, I, I just think it makes Batman more vulnerable to have a child fighting alongside him. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, did this follow the comic lore? Um, I don't think so. No. I think it had aspects of it, but yeah, ultimately it didn't. So um, I'm not even going to ask you what changes you would have made because I feel like there's just too many. Uh, what do you think was one of the strongest points of the movie, though, for you? Do you think it was the suits, like you were saying? Yeah, the suits are cool. The music, I like the music. Yeah, uh, the music. very 90s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Got no, some no. Offspring, some Brandy, some Seal, <laughs> U2. Yeah, there's a lot of good tracks on there. I actually had the compact disc. I had the soundtrack. Um, and I remember there was one song called uh, Passenger that was really good. Yeah. Um, and then there was a, a Massive Attack. Is that what it's called? Mass- Massive Attack? I think it's the band. Um, uh, it was a good song, too. Um, it had a lot of good music. Mm-hmm. I didn't particularly care for the Batmobile. Um, the kind it was of like skeleton a, look. Yeah, it had a little bit too much going on with, uh, with the bright yeah. lights. Um, I I think that it's it's not a cop car or an ambulance. You shouldn't know that Batman's coming. I think it makes more sense if he's lurking in the shadows and you know his the the Batmobile in one and two or or Batman and Batman Returns rather, you know it had a much more stealthier look to it, and I appreciate that. Yeah, but I think that it fit the environment that it was it in. Did. It fit it the did. world. But I just. I'm a sucker for a Batmobile. And I mean, I love the Adam West Batmobile, that, that mm-hmm. Ford Futura. That, that car is just fucking badass. <laughs> I, I love that car. Like, yeah. I want that automobile in my driveway. Well, so like, so with Batman being stealthy, I mean, Batman is a symbol. He strikes fear in the hearts of, of criminals everywhere. And it's, I mean, you saw the scene when, when there was like a hundred bad guys and they were going to, beat up robin and all he does is they just see him and they all disperse even though they're not good at math and they realize there's one of him and a bunch of them it's a symbol and i think that that's what that represents i mean i always think obviously the the batmobile is iconic so i enjoyed the design for this um i don't know if it was my favorite at all um but i actually really did enjoy the design of this one i think maybe toned down the lights a bit but it was i thought it was sleek it was cool it was it fit the world that it was in yeah, I think it was the giant fin on the back that kind of threw me off. Yeah, that was kind of weird. It was floppy, too. Yeah, when it opens up. <laughs> when, yeah. When Robin's or Chris O'Donnell's all like, you want to go for a ride in my lumberjim, baby? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, fine. But, I mean, I think the, the bat signal is, you know, that is what sends criminals to be weary. Like, oh, my God, Batman's out tonight kind of thing. I yeah. like that. And then... You know, if the Batmobile were approaching and then turns on the lights, you know, you know, it's it's a dark alley and then headlights come on. That's scary. Um, As opposed to this 
check out my flying spaceship coming through here. <laughs> Going up the side of buildings, basically, the sides right. of walls. That was stupid. But, yes, I completely agree. So, um, is there anything else you have to say about Batman Forever? I don't think so. Okay, so we are going to transition to Batman and Robin. But first, before we do, I forgot to ask, Justin, what are you watching for this week? Give me a movie and or a TV show that you are watching for this week. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, did you see it? Uh, Tomorrow. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm, I'm so excited. I, I don't think I'm going to have time to see it this weekend, so I'm just going to probably see it on Tuesday uh, for like a matinee um or not a matinee but like a it's five dollar tuesday at cinemark so i'm gonna see it and i'm very very excited about it so please don't spoil anything for me are you done no (laughs) (laughs) yes i'm watching that motion picture show and then as for tv i am finally getting around to watching designated survivor with jack bauer yeah that looks good I've oh, it's so good. Very good things about it. Man, I've been watching like four episodes at a time. And I'm not really a binger per se, but um, this show has got its hooks in me and I am watching. Except when it comes to Hot Pockets. You binge those like crazy. Oh, yeah. Hot oh, Pockets. I like Cold Pockets. <laughs> you, could, you could heat up a Hot Pocket and you could throw it in the freezer for two days and it would still be lava when you bite into it. <laughs> No, there's no way. There's no way to, to enjoy those fucking things. You know what I started doing is I just started pulling the whole goddamn top off. Like <laughs> it's the only way to cool it off. It's it, it looks like a, a slice of pizza when you do that though. And then so, I just then I then I just I crumple up the top and then I just kind of dip it into the cheesy mess that is happening <laughs> and then I eat it that way because it's just way too fucking hot. I can't stand it. And then so like sometimes when you, if you, if you eat it like a burrito. This puff of hot air just scorches your face <laughs> and burns off your eyebrows, and it's the worst. Fucking hate that shit. Real quick, the first <laughs> yeah. time I ever had a Hot Pocket, ever, was when I saw the movie Sister Act on home video. <laughs> what kind of Hot Pocket was it? It was a pepperoni. But I just remember that. I was Sister. like, oh, this is... I, I took a bite out of it, and I was like... That's pretty good. <laughs> and then, and you I should go watching, buy it. Two thumbs up. <laughs> and then I was watching, I was watching Sister Mary Clarence run from the scary gangster guys. <laughs> True story. And my sister uh, Sarah, the middle child, the least loved, and uh, oh. she, not by me, by the parents. See, mm. um, it's just one of the, it's the baggage of being the middle child. Um, but she was, she had had back surgery. She had multiple scoliosis, and her spine is shaped like an S. And she had these Wolverine titanium type rods put in her back, and she was home and bedridden. And we watched Sister Act while I ate hot pockets. <laughs> oh, I will never eat hot pockets again now. Thank you. <laughs> Why? They're fine. They're so I, hot. I haven't had one in a long time. So. Criminals are hot. That was great. Uh, so I am watching. Uh, I watched a movie on. Um, I used the app Canopy, which uh, is great for more of the indie circuit for films. Uh, they are all free, and it just links to your library account. Um, and I love A twenty four produced films. So I watched a very heavy and intense, but very good movie called A Prayer Before Dawn. Um, mm-hmm. It was uh, very intense. I just 
I wouldn't recommend watching it before bed because it's it's heavy. It's about a British boxer who goes to a Thai prison and must fight for his life. So that's, that's all I'll say. Um, the other thing I'm watching, I started watching Big Little Lies season two on HBO um, because I really liked the first season. Uh, the second season is kind of slow so far, but I'm sure it picks up. So there we go. Now on to Batman v Robin. Batman and Robin came out in 1997 and stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, George Clooney, Chris O'Donnell, Uma Thurman, Alicia Silverstone, Michael Goff, Pat Hingle, <laughs> I, whatever. I'm going my way. I'm going my way. John Clover. You can go your own way. Elmer go Tr- your own way. Sorry. Okay, definitely not Fleetwood Mac, but uh, and Vivica A. Fox. Um, oh, oh yeah, I love Vivica A. Jeep, Fox. Jeep Svensson was Bane, so. Um, Jeep. Yeah, his name is Jeep Svensson. Like room, 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 drive a Jeep. Uh, yes, exactly that. So that's that's it's actually what it says right there. It says room, 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 drive a Jeep. <laughs> uh, how did you know? I just I know shit, Zach. Uh, you do. I'm a I'm a savant. <laughs> I, I, you have a blue star next to your name. <laughs> um, <Not good>. So, <laughs> what you were saying earlier about the music, uh, Elliot Goldenthal, he's actually a good composer, and I did enjoy the music for both these films. Um, but I, I don't think he was he was my favorite composer. But I did enjoy what he was doing. Like you were saying, you you had fun with it. Um, he, he kind of changes it up for each scene in this movie, and I thought that that was actually really neat, something neat that he did. Um, but doesn't matter what i know because i'm just some schmuck unlike these awesome critics what do the critics think justin oh man they're (laughs) they're not fans this okay so (laughs) so on july 25th 2019 pulling up the rotten tomatoes it is at a whopping 11 percent once as they say in espanol that's no bueno no the movie has its entertaining flashes but there's too much bat jive and bat hokum. That was uh, Michael Wilmington from Chicago Tribune. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Steve Ria. A loud, long, and pointless spectacle. <laughs> oh, our buddy Rachel Wagner there. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Here we go. Rachel'sReviews.net.org.edu.gov. .gov. <laughs> She says the one-liners are groan-inducing. Yeah, yeah, that's true. She's um, very accurate on that. <laughs> it's the hockey team from hell. Uh, yeah. All right, everyone, chill. <laughs> Kill the heroes. Uh, so bad. <laughs> you have eleven minutes to thaw the bud. <laughs> uh, I got you. Is that what he says? Yeah. And and chill. I like yeah. that one. Oh my god. Batman and Robin is less a movie than a razzle dazzle video game. So prepare your brain for razzle dazzle. That's <laughs> <laughs> our buddy David Starrett, two R's, two T's, Christian there Science you. Monitor. There you go. Is that so, it? Uh, is that all think, you got? Um, are you ready for a good one? Yeah. All right, here we go. Michael Olive. Clooney manages to keep even these scenes afloat. With consistent good humor and unforced charm. I will admit that George Clooney is a charming man. Wait, was that you saying that or was that the... No, the, the guy, the Michael Olive. But I do think Clooney is a charming man. And there are these moments when he looks at Alfred and he smiles. You know, it's just this genuine pleasantness about him. 
mm-hmm. that I really enjoy. And that that's about it. <laughs> yep. You know, the, the bickering between Batman and Robin is pretty terrible. Um, I like, like, especially when Robin's like, hey, I want my own fucking car and, and I want my own bat signal and I want a Robin signal in the sky. And, you know, I want you to pay for all these things. Like, I want, I want, gimme, gimme, gimme. It's like, dude. You got a free house and a free yeah. costume. <laughs> Maybe a thank you first before you get that. And a motorcycle. Yeah. With my name on it, and I want uh, some cool underwear. <laughs> like, dude, just chill the fuck out, man. Yeah. Listen to some Morrissey and just fucking <laughs> relax. <laughs> deal. You and the Morrissey again. I'm in love with Morrissey. He's got yeah. the rockabilly thing. Yeah. Oh, man. The Smiths, forget about it. <laughs> um, so it's funny you say that because I had a, a point to make about George Clooney, and I'll talk about it a little bit after we finish the intro. Um, so along the ice puns thing, there were 27 ice puns throughout the movie that Mr. Freeze said. 27, Justin. That's 27 too many. <laughs> that is quite a bit. That's a lot. Can you give um, me- Go ahead. No, uh, can you give me some? Oh, shit. Uh, he says, my name is Freeze. Remember, because it, it is the chilly sound, sound of your you. doom. <laughs> I love it. You know, he oh. says that to, to Jesse Ventura and yeah. then that the other guy from uh, Gladiator, and he's been in a whole bunch of other movies. Yeah. He's usually the big, tall German guy. I thought that was funny. Um, this movie was voted number one in Empire Magazine's 50 Worst Movies Ever in February 2010. So it's the best at being the worst. Yeah. Um, when filming was over, George Clooney quipped, I think we just killed the series. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that makes me wonder. Like, when they're in the, especially the part when they click their heels and the ice skates come out, uh, and they're actually playing hockey with this giant diamond. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like <laughs> if it were me on skates with a hockey stick, mm-hmm. I would just stop skating for a second. And say, hey, yo, uh, Joel, there. Why don't uh, why don't we rewrite this a little bit? <laughs> what I'm doing, just uh, it ain't working so much. It ain't working so much there with the ice skates and the diamond there. This it's rink like, isn't even regulation size. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's no lines on this rink. I have no idea what's going on. Pretty sure that guy was off sides. Uh, I got a back credit card. That I'd never leave home without. Yikes. It's terrible. It is so bad. But now is it at the point where it's so bad that it's good? Have we have we got have we crossed that threshold with Batman Rama? Because I gotta tell you, this is like no joke. When I'm sitting on my sofa watching this movie, I enjoyed it more than Batman Forever. Did you really? Yes. <laughs> And I think it's just because it's so absurd and so terrible and so stupid in a in a mystery science theater three thousand sort of way that I get more joy from its horror than I do from Batman Forever trying to be what it is. I, I do think that Batman and Robin had one too many cooks in the kitchen and that the Warner Brothers suits had a lot to do with it being terrible. And uh for me, I would rather take this movie in all of its terrible than Batman Forever trying to be what it is. I, I it's okay to disagree. Yeah, I, I know. Just I, where I'm at. 
I, I think the IP of Batman itself just means so much to me, and so that's why I, I was like, I can't get behind this being bad and good. I see merit in some of, of this movie, and I'll talk about that. But overall, this is just a, a awful movie. It's it, it was so bad, and I the last like thirty minutes, I'm just shaking my head the whole time, and I wanted to stop so bad. I, I wanted to stop so quick, um, mm-hmm. but it just kept going. Sure. So. Um, so, uh, besides Ed Harris, Patrick Stewart, and Anthony Hopkins, um, oh, I'm sorry, besides Ed Harris, were Patrick, Stu- movie? Patrick Stewart and Anthony Hopkins were the choices to play Mr. Freeze. Oh, Joel Wouldn't that be so, cool? That would be cool. So, I was, we were texting Talk- earlier, yeah. this week, and I sort of fell in love with the idea of, um, Christopher Lloyd as, uh, Mr. Freeze, mm-hmm. but more akin to his Judge Doom character from Who Friend Roger Rabbit. You know, he's already a very cold and sinister person, but I think if you sort of make this a a tragic villain story where he is only acting this way for the uh, you know, the concept of saving his his wife. Mm-hmm. Like I really like that that's his motivation. You know, he'll stop at nothing. It's like a love conquers all kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's an interesting take on a villain. And when I started t- thinking about Christopher Lloyd, I started thinking about the animated series version of Mr. Freeze, who is a tall, skinny guy and looks a lot like Christopher Lloyd and Judge Doom. And I don't know, I just fell in love with that idea versus, you know, Arnold with his big muscles and all these things. <laughs> and um, I think I would have appreciated it better, especially if it was more of a serious tone i I think that some villains that are a little weird like mr freeze would actually benefit more being done in a serious matter uh just so you could sort of buy into it it's our i don't know it's weird to think that way but even like in the arkham games you know mr freeze you have that awesome fight with him in that lab and he's just sort of a, a cold person he's not really a bad guy per se he's just got his own agenda I agree, and I think that the casting choice, like, and, and there's no secret that I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, Total Recall is one of my favorite movies, and I have this affinity for anything Arnold Schwarzenegger. I just think that he was miscast in this role. Sure. And uh, Victor Freeze is such an interesting character because, you're right, his motivations are not for evil. He is literally a thief, so he can harness those diamonds to, well, stay alive, but also he's constantly looking for a cure for his wife. Um, that's his motive. He's not in it to kill people. He's not in it to do anything like that. Um, there's, you know, there's certain iterations of him in the comics where they kind of go further from that, and then they actually make him like a cold blooded killer. But his true motivation is to save his wife. So he is such an interesting villain, and they could have done a lot with that, and it would have been real, real fun. And they had they had little moments of it, right? You know, when. Um, he he basically pleads with him. He's like, look, like I saved your wife. She's still alive. You need to help me save another life. And like that's when we, like you were saying, we get good George Clooney out of that. Um, besides that, though, George Clooney should not have been Bruce Wayne. Um, he was a very bad Batman from the get-go, from the <laughs> opening scene that you see him. He's he like, looked, hey, he Freeze, looked, I'm Batman. Yeah, he looked so scared and confused. He looked like he just walked on the set like a day before and had no idea and didn't read the lines. Um, He kind of actually looked more like a Steve Jobs than he was a Bruce Wayne. It was very interesting. And 
I do not like the choice. It, it it just didn't seem like he wanted to be there at all. So, yeah. Um, and with you know with the villains and stuff like like we said with Two Face, they rush right into it. They don't give you any time to build like, character development. So, Mister Freeze is such an interesting character, and um, you know we don't need a full fledged origin for him and we we kind of get something like a little video montage that they just so happen to have all the video on and it's all the best with angles audio too. yeah with audio it's all the best <laughs> angles too right when um, he falls he's like argh, argh. he comes out of the water very very total recall-esque when they go into mars and he's like argh. oh my god it's I, so bad zach yeah. <laughs> really bad <laughs> I, I was... couldn't stop laughing. I remember <laughs> laughing in the theater just at how ridiculous that was. Holy uh, shit. It really, it, it was pretty awful for that one. Um, so, I, like, you don't need his his full origin story, but I, I really do like his his true, like, Mr. Reese's character's origin story. And so it's it's just unfortunate that they didn't give any character development. I mean, Poison Ivy, they, they kind of gave some, but that was, they mirrored Catwoman's type thing where you know you have this piece of shit man who uh pushes her into the plants and the chemicals and stuff and kills her essentially just like when max shrek killed catwoman and i'm talking about strictly the film versions um so we saw that happen again uh despite that though i did like uma thurman as poison ivy i thought she was sultry i thought she did it well um she played innocent when she needed to but she also kind of knew the the vibe of the film much akin to how Jim Carrey knew Batman Forever, um, she was cartoonish in a sense for it. Does does that kind of make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I liked Uma as Poison Ivy. So did I. I I thought that she was. I can't, I couldn't think of anybody better to. Well, during the time, I couldn't think of anybody better to do it. I think Uma Thurman's fantastic in most stuff that she does. Um, so I, yeah. Um. So one thing that uh, Robin says, because like we were saying, you know, he's like, I want a bat signal and blah, 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 blah. And Bruce Wayne is like, I'm going to work alone. Well, sometimes counting on someone else is the only way you can win. Um, so working as a team has its benefits in certain situations. Um, and we saw that Batman Forever. Yeah, like when you're playing doubles in tennis. Yeah. That's about it. Uh, sure. Um, or trying to cook a Hot Pocket. But <laughs> um, so it does have its benefits. Uh, but unfortunately it can be very dangerous as well. And danger can come to those that we are closest to. Um, that's a big reason why superheroes have secret identities. I mean, Spider-Man conceals <laughs> his identity because he doesn't want his loved ones to get hurt. Um, Batman is the same kind of way. Like Iron Man was the first time that we saw a superhero, like in the 2008 Iron Man, when we saw Tony Stark, you know, declare that he is Iron Man that completely drew, uh, blew the door off the hinges. Right. Um, and then every superhero started doing it. It was the it was the new CrossFit. Everyone started doing it. So, so. I like I liked in Spider Man Two mm -hmm. when he's stopping the train and you know his mask he's revealed right. Mm -hmm. No one knows that he's Peter Parker. They just know that he's this guy who doesn't have his mask. Some kid is what they say. Yeah, and I like how they take care of him and they give him his mask back because like, it's. Hey, yeah. You go do your thing. Yeah. <laughs> this is bigger it, than all of us. <laughs> exactly. Because he's a yeah. symbol and it, it, yeah. it doesn't matter about what he is. It's just Spider-Man speaks as a symbol. Yeah. Um, so my question, though, in this with with him having to contemplate if a team is the best thing for for himself, is Batman better than is Batman better working alone? And I ask you this because I look at things like Jason Todd. Jason Todd got killed by the Joker in the comic books. 
and that destroyed Batman. He wanted no Robins ever again, and he was like essentially on the verge of suicide. Uh, Barbara Gordon, she got shot by the Joker and paralyzed. Um, anybody who gets close to Batman, and, or, and she was she was tortured pretty badly too. She was tortured pretty awfully. Um, so anybody that gets close to Batman is susceptible to this kind of thing. So is it better for him to work alone in most situations? Or do you think that he does need that sort of team? That's tough, man, because there are times when Batman has been in peril and Robin has saved him. You know, even when he was in in the rocket <laughs> going up into space, uh, you know, it was Robin that saved him. So, I mean, I like it when Batman works alone, but... Sometimes, uh, you know, you need someone to lean on, like the song says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think that, I think what it comes down to is he, he can't be held responsible or he can't hold himself responsible for the actions of others or what they do. But Jason, he always will. But he always will, because that's what he is. Um Jason Todd was a firecracker. He was far from what Dick Grayson was. Todd was was violent. He would get out of line even more so than than Dick did. Um, and I'm not saying that he deserved to die at all. It's actually the the, the readers who voted for him to die. Those fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> they had to call a number. Yeah, they call a number to do it. But what I'm saying is, ask he got, your parents for permission. <laughs> drink your Ovaltine. <laughs> <laughs> he, he got in a situation where it was, you know, Bruce was constantly telling him, you need to check your anger or else you can't be on this. Ultimately, at the end of the day, he's responsible for his own actions. Jason Todd is. And, and same with Barbara. Um, when you're messing with something like the Joker, who is a psychopath, you can't hold yourself responsible for for the outcome of what he does because he's so unpredictable. Um, I think it has its benefits as a team. But when you look at Batman Forever, um, when they go there, Yes, Robin spares Two-Face and wants to see him in jail, but then he ends up becoming essentially a burden for Batman. Because he's like, dude, you're supposed to be my friend, and now I have to save you and the woman I love. When he could have just maybe, I don't know, knocked Two-Face out instead. It's so, like kept like all these coins. Yeah, so it just, it was kind of one of those things, and obviously he's still learning. So you prefer uh, Batman to work alone? I think I prefer Batman to work alone. If 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 I were Batman, which let's be honest, I'm pretty much like Batman, um, I would I'd rather be working alone. I think um, just because I would be nervous about I'd be held responsible for what happens to anyone around me, and that's kind of a an obtuse way of thinking. But eh, I mean, I would just feel better if I died as opposed to my my Robin dying. If that makes sense. So, sure. I mean, I don't want to die, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. Sure. Um, one thing that really took me out of this film was how much of the candid angle that uh, Schumacher used uh, all the damn time. That that freaking Dutch angle, man. He he turned the camera, and especially during the motorcycle scene. You know when um, what's her name? Uh, Barbara is I, she has a different last name for this one but alfred's niece <laughs> she's racing and then um dick comes up and saves her basically the entire thing if you look at it it's all a canted angle and i'm like oh my god it should be a tool that you use not a crutch and he unfortunately uses it so much in these films i don't know why i think it's just his director it's dynamic kind of but once you start using it that much it's kind of annoying so yeah i mean it's like 
J.J. Uh, Abrams with lens flares. That's true. Um, he's not over the top with it, though. He does use them in each of his movies, but he's not over the top. And Schumacher I mean, used it a lot. The, the Star Trek movie was a lot of lens flare. <laughs> that's true. I guess I haven't that's, seen that one in That's a long like time. the cowbell of motion picture shows. <laughs> Gotta have that cowbell, baby. I'm Bruce Dixon. <laughs> I put my pants on like everyone else. <laughs> uh, except I sell gold records. But, um... So, yeah, I, I think that something could be said for him teaming up, and I think they wanted to go with that for this movie, but it just was done kind of poorly. Um, the addition of Alicia Silverstone was really bad. I like her, but, my goodness, she did such a bad job as Batgirl. I was not happy with it. I did not want her in it. Um, yeah, I prefer the the Barbara Gordon approach. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, an outsider trying to squeeze in versus uh, keeping it all in the family, which is what they kind of did in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a niece to Alfred. And, and that was just weird. Well, and so and that's perfect because that's a great segue. I mean, I think the most egregious and glaring mistakes um, in, in, in both Schumacher Batmans were the lack of character development, a full-fledged character development. Um, they have all these amazing side characters in the Batman universe, right? But in these films, their story arcs are, are, are nowhere to be found. In the comics, I mean, they have such a, a broad story arc, and it's so well done and so thought out. But in the films, they're withered down to nothing more than, like, ten lines of comic relief, right? Um, even your Commissioner Gordon is what I'm thinking of, too. Jim Gordon is such an integral part in things like Batman Year One, where that could be argued that it's his story more so than Bruce's. Um, he is always that partner to Batman who always believes in him. And I think that when you have someone in this that, yes, keep the continuity, I guess, of of the same Commissioner Gordon, and that's fun and all. But when you have Pat Hingle, who's not really doing much for for Commissioner Gordon and giving him much depth, it's kind of lame. Um, I did like Alfred a lot, but unfortunately there are moments in this film where you can see that Schumacher, he's like, he's trying to go for, for some sort of deep uh character building so alfred i guess would be his best example um but he then puts some campy and juvenile humor in it like some weird sound effect or i don't know a fart joke pretty much um and like i understand going for your own style and being true to the comics but there's a certain level that you have to stop at you said earlier that uh we were talking about george clooney and i think it was george clooney as batman was a poorly cast choice um but as an actor, George Clooney's fantastic. That part you were talking about when Alfred is, he's dying on his bed and Bruce has this moment of like, you know, I love you, like I, I can't lose you essentially sort of thing. That was a very touching moment. And I, I think that they could have fleshed that out more and it would have been spot on. I agree. Um, you know, Alfred always, I like it when Alfred is sort of the grounded character in this universe when he can call out Bruce on his nonsense, you know, and, and sort of steers him in that right direction. Uh, even though Bruce is now a man and no longer a boy, um, Alfred has played such a critical role in his development that it makes sense for him to always be sort of the, um, you know, the elder 
steering him in the right direction. And Alfred's interesting because while he has this sort of um, old-fashioned approach to things, he has definitely evolved with the times, and he understands what Bruce needs to do to fit in and to 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 grow. Uh, you know, he he is is like a a man out of time. It's really weird. It's like Alfred, while he has these these old school um, you know etiquette style, he definitely knows how to. Um, get jiggy with it as it were <laughs> the <laughs> um, proverbial jiggy with it <laughs> yeah um which you know he's a he's a critical character and it's it's really weird seeing him be so vulnerable because it's not it's not batman in danger out you know fighting crime he's now lost because he might lose his father figure well and and yeah i agree with you um i just wish that it was I wish there was more more of that fleshed out from the entire thing. I mean, we get little hints of it, you know, where he's you can tell he's in pain, but it was kind of pushed aside until we basically were told by Alicia Silverstone's character that he's dying. And then it's like, oh, okay, this is going on. Well, so, she says he's sick and he's then he's sick. And Bruce says, Bruce he's, says not he's, sick, dying. he's dying. Yeah. But see, I mean, it's very much a parallel to what to what Freeze is going through and you know, if we can identify with Bruce and Alfred and be sad about it, it it is very much possible to identify and feel sad for Freeze if it's done the right way. And yes. if, and and if this were a story about Freeze, like forget about Ivy for a second. Let's just assume that she's not in the movie. If this was done in a way to where, you know, it's sort of a broken up story, um, like like Pulp Fiction, right, where it's kind of in the middle and the end and the beginning again. Um, you know, if we sort of get this this arc of freeze and how he was a good person, you know, not telling it the story linear showing horrible, but then showing good and what he lost to get him there. And then how ultimately he is dealing with it. I think that would have been a really cool way of introducing freeze and being relatable, you know, seeing, seeing him at his worst, but also seeing him at his best. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think that that would have been a very good way to redeem the, the shittiness of this film um, because you have the pieces there. And again, Batman's one of those things that there's so much thought that has, has gone into the comics throughout the years and this character development that you, you have the source material, literally you have the source material and like, why do you have to stray from it? Um, so I, I think that the aspect that, I, so like the, the Alfred that I loved was the Michael Caine one from the Nolan films. And he, meant so much more to bruce than just a butler right he was his surrogate father <laughs> essentially and if if that were to happen to michael kane you know that that story would have been had so much more gravity to it um and i mean i did feel like it was it was great that bruce really cared about him and then you you got to see the moments that he shines and then george clooney's line you know when he kind of gives that little monologue at the end to freeze and pleads him to help him like you can save a life or whatever that was cool I, I like i really enjoyed how he did that um but yeah like you're saying it's it's just one of those things that they missed the mark on for sure so he's, alfred's also the worst at, at data security his fucking password was peg right <laughs> for, his password for every single thing that belongs in in the batman universe was peg it was three letters no asterisks no uppercase lowercase 
It was so bad. I know. He should have had the E be a three at least. <laughs> right. And the P and the P be a nine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't like how they transitioned the, the Barbara Gordon thing to the family. Um, where she wasn't Barbara Gordon. She was Barbara Pennyworth, I guess. Um, I think trust and family were big things, big themes for this movie. I mean, you had the big trust of Batman and Robin, and they were headbutting, essentially. Um, that, again, I don't think you, they fleshed out enough because it was kind of just like, whoa, whoa, calm, like pump the brakes, Robin. You're still a new kid on the block, and you're trying to argue with Batman how it needs to be. We're a team, blah, 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 blah. It's like, cool, yeah, yeah, kind of are, but you still have a ton to learn. Um, so I like what they were trying to do with that relationship. Uh, but it just, unfortunately it wasn't explored enough. Um, eh, I don't know. I think it might've been the best thing that Schumacher could have done though. Yeah. I, th- I think there were external forces that were driving this caper into garbage. Right. And I know you really liked Bane, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I mean, as so yeah. the Nightfall series is my favorite Batman story. Nightfall's fantastic. And for those uh, who don't know, just really quick, for those who don't know, it, it's essentially just Bane comes in town because he's obsessed with, with Batman. Uh, he, Bruce has never run into him, but Bane essentially, is it Bane? Yeah, uh, lets all the Arkham prisoners out. So uh, Bruce spends like, what is it, two months or something like that, or weeks uh, rounding all of them up, and he's exhausted. And, yeah, he's running on fumes. So he's much re- so that he was already running on fumes to where he had uh, John Paul Valley already mm-hmm. kind of substituting for him mm-hmm. on nights because he was just so tired. Yeah. And then uh, enter Bane, and Bane goes to his house, catches Bruce off guard because he, he finds out that Bruce is Batman, and he breaks his back. Um, yeah. Terrifying. It's yeah. So, but he was a he was more of a calculating yes. m- criminal mastermind versus monkey work. Yeah. <laughs> he became he became a prison. Um, I, I don't know the term to be like a crime lord essentially in prison. But he was calculated. He was strong. He was the bad mofo you didn't want to mess with. Um, he wasn't he wasn't a bumbling idiot who bomb, <laughs> bomb. <laughs> yeah. So I mean what. <laughs> I didn't like Bane in this at all. And I was so angry that they treated him like this. When I was a kid, I didn't know anything about Bane. So I was like, oh, he's cool. He's a wrestler, too. But I don't know. you. What, what did you think then and now? Of Bane? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, when I first saw him, I just couldn't stop laughing. I thought it was so ridiculous. Because I, I had already known him from Nightfall, which was, you know, I was in junior high when that came out. So somewhere in the 93, 94 era. Um at least I think that's when it was. When was Nightfall? Oh, look, you talk. Okay. Um, and so I knew him as a criminal mastermind, and it was so absurd to hear him just be like this this gorilla that had been dropped out of its cage and had mental health issues, and I could not get over it. And it made it so funny to me. And even when he's like, bomb at the end, <laughs> I swear to God. Or like when they were in leaving the airport, and there, there, there was surveillance shots of, of Poison Ivy and Bane in disguise. You know, they're incognito. And Bane's still got his mask on, but he's got a hat and a coat. Like, he's a peeping Tom, and it's the funniest <laughs> thing ever. But he does, or, that, he does that in the comics, too, though. Well, I know. It, yeah. it just looks... That's one of those things, though, where where things look 
fine in a comic book and it doesn't even strike you as even remotely odd or curious. <laughs> but when you see it in a movie brought to life, you can call out how terrible it really is. Um, do you have a date on, on Nightfall? Uh, 93 to 94. So you Okay, were... cool. So yeah, I was in junior high. Okay, perfect. Um, which is also the first time I ever saw Zaz, you know, and like he's like in the Nightfall number two or three where he's, you know, in that hospital and he has all those hostages and such. Um, I thought he was super creepy. He was. Um, he was a relatively new character. He had only come out like a nine, like whatever, the year before and shout out to that. But either way, he's a really creepy guy. He's like Johnny 300 or whatever from Con Air where he has, <laughs> he has all the Johnny 23 or whatever. He has all these markings on his body of, of women that he has hurt. He's terrible. Terrifying, man. Um, anyway, um, so yes, Bane was absolutely ridiculous in this movie. And it went along with the, the over-the-topness that already had this movie going for it, but um, it was just terrible. The, it's one of those things when there's just too many characters, it's, it's you know, less is more. And this should always be the approach. And when you have a Batman, a Robin, now Batgirl, Poison Ivy, Freeze, and Bane, that's six characters that you have to keep track of. And it's impossible to develop them, especially when you add Alfred into the mix of being more of a core character, you know, not just sort of set dressing with a few moments here or there. You know, he was actually an integral part of this movie. And uh, it's just way too much going on. That's now seven things. And uh, it's, it's just not going to work. This is a yeah. recipe for disaster. In fact, I think one of the things that I would like to see from the DC universe would be more of just having one hero and one villain and fleshing them both out. Like, you know, we were talking about Batman and how that was very much sort of portraying an origin story to Joker and Batman just happened to also be in it. Mm -hmm. And that was way more powerful than any of these other ones, yeah. in my humble opinion. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's it's too many people. We've seen what has happened when you try to add too many characters to a movie like X-Men United. And it's just, it's, it, it's way too much. So you have to narrow Back it down. It yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to narrow your focus and, and pick your battles, basically. And yeah. so, yeah, it could have done without Bane. And it could have been Ivy and Freeze versus Batman and Robin. I mean, it could have done without Batgirl. Like... Yes, it's it's fine to introduce her, but they it was felt felt so shoehorned in there, and they didn't give her any time to develop. And you're just like, how does she also know martial arts? And then they just decide to trust her without. It's like, oh sweet, you broke into our place, but it's cool, you can join us. I there was just nothing there for me with that, and I think that's where they really missed the mark on this movie. But yeah, I mean, I did not like Batman and Robin, and I I liked it as a kid. I do not like it now. I think I liked Batman Forever a lot more than Batman and Robin, but it's just B&R is so bad. It's so bad. I don't know if it's the That'll worst. I don't know if it's the worst comic book movie I ever made, but it's pretty bad. I, I agree. It is definitely bad, but I did find it interesting that I kept looking at my watch for when Batman Forever was on, but I was glued to my TV when Batman and Robin was on. <laughs> yeah. What does um, that say about me? I think well, I, just, I think I just love how terrible it is. It it has found a way into my heart. I I mean I'd watch it just because I'm a huge Batman fan, but eh, it it is it's pretty awful. So, um, so was it entertaining, Justin? I would say yes. Yeah. Um, 
was it was it cast accordingly? No. Yeah, I think they missed the mark on Mr. Freeze. I don't think you need to put Arnold in it. No George Clooney, no Alicia Silverstone, no Chris, Do- Chris O'Donnell. I think Poison Ivy was probably your only bet on it. Mm-hmm. So, um, which, which I don't even know if Poison Ivy alone merits an entire movie. Um, yeah. I, li- I like her. I like her ideas. I like how she is uh, an extremist. You know, she's an environmentalist, an extremist. She will she will kill whoever she has to mm-hmm. for the earth to survive like i like her motives i just don't know if i like 90 minutes of it you know i mean i don't i don't think it's a strong enough villain to have an entire movie Uh, i agree as far as as far as the animated series goes i think 22 minutes is plenty yeah um do you think it followed the comic lore no yeah i think it strayed quite a bit from that so um what was one of the strongest points of it, though, with it Ivy. being so bad? The, the I, what? I would say Ivy. Ivy. I'd probably say the Bat credit card. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, and, and, and probably Bat, uh, Bruce and Alfred's yes. relationship. I would say that that's the, the top notch for me. That was the, the best part. And how they were, I liked what they were trying to do with Freeze, but just unfortunately... Arnold isn't the greatest actor. He's my greatest actor, but he's not. He's not right. the greatest actor. So I, I do think um, the the Arkham Asylum piece showing how they can accommodate villains of all shapes and sizes. I thought yes. that was kind of cool. I thought yeah. that was very cool. And you know, there was an episode of the anime. I I love the idea of having all the villains together at once to to try and just annoy each other sort of like oz the tv show but arkham the tv show <laughs> you know like them getting in fights and raping each other and you know murdering each other in, in prison but it would be more um there was that episode of the animated series where they were all sitting around playing poker all the villains do you remember that episode uh and yes they're, and they're all talking about stories about when my they almost favorite my favorite episode of all time. Right, where they almost got Batman. The time that they almost got Batman. And Killer Croc is like, <laughs> you know, I almost hit him with a rock. And they're like, what the fuck? He's like, well, I, big rock. Yeah. I snuck up behind him, and I almost hit him with a rock. And they're like, what? It's a big rock. <laughs> I love that episode so much. But, um, yes, agreed. You see, and those characters are already established, so they all, their reputations precede themselves. And so that's what right. so cool about the animated series and yes it was it was an animated series but i would even argue that necessarily wasn't exactly for kids i mean they had darker themes in that show so but um so justin if that wraps up do you have anything else to add on batman and robin i don't think so i mean it, it is sad that that it did so poorly and and it was it was what the world needed to take a break, and which is a good thing because then it could be reinvented. I mean, literally, out of the ashes of this movie came the Nolan universe, and that is held in a pretty, pretty high regard. Yep. So I 100% agree. Um, okay, real quick, gun to your head. Uh, you need to rank these four films uh, from favorite to from most best to most worst sure uh so batman batman returns batman robin batman forever you thought batman and robin was better than batman forever i enjoy it more oh, you are crazy um <laughs> i mean it's they're both terrible but i yeah, enjoy it 
I enjoy it more. I, I just think that Timely Jones just gets on my goddamn nerves, man. <laughs> Holy shit, I hate Two Face in that movie. He's he's pretty bad. He's pretty Terrible. awful. Yeah. So for me, it's got to be uh, Batman Returns, Batman, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. There you so, go. Two, one, three, four. Um, okay. It goes, it goes Creed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to rapid fire, and I and, and I we talked about who we would we would cast. So like, I was thinking a fun casting of Robin nowadays could be like Zac Efron because I think he's a good actor, and he's I think that old. that would fit for it. He's too um, old. He could be Batman now. No, he's got to be the the Robin there. No, Zac Efron's like fucking thirty years old now. But he looks like a kid. No, that is accurate. I mean, kind of. And then I was thinking, um for uh for batgirl i think you do something like um cynthia arrivo from uh did you see uh bad times at el royale or widows yeah. she yeah. was the gal who was the singer and she was pretty much like the survivor in it uh she is fantastic and i think that she would be a good batgirl and it'd be fun too because you're not using your your stereotypical white like barbara gordon you you mix it up maybe she's the adopted daughter of your of your jim gordon you have right now of um uh gary oldman that you have right now i'm using the nolan universe for for that reason but uh that would be awesome and she is a fantastic actress i think she could bring a lot of like spunk to that role and it could work out well but what i wanted to ask you and i want you i'm going to rapid fire them and you give me your favorites all right so this can span i want to know what your favorites are for each of these categories um and it can span the entire batman history so mm-hmm. everything's fair game. Um, I would say take out Batman the Animated Series because I'm going to say that for all my answers. Um, so I'm taking that out of the equation. But are you ready? You just have to answer. Um, sure. Okay. Who's your favorite Batman? Adam West. Okay. Uh, Batmobile. Ooh, uh, Adam West's Batmobile. <laughs> I figured. I figured it was. I mean, that 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 literally is my my favorite Batmobile bar none. And then then it will be immediately followed up by. Um, the 1989 Batmobile. Yes. Um, Harvey Dent. Who's your favorite Harvey Dent? Billy D. Williams. <laughs> Billy D. Who is oh? Who is your favorite Bane? <laughs> uh, I, uh, I guess. Well, for me, it would have to be the Batman and Robin Bane. Uh, Commissioner Gordon. Um, probably Gary Oldman. Okay. Alfred. Um, Michael Caine. Yeah. Um. Catwoman. Ooh, Julie Newmar. You don't like Halle Berry? <laughs> oh, fuck no. I mean, I like Halle Berry, but Same. I don't like the Catwoman. <laughs> Holy shit, I forgot. All I forgot that was even a thing. <laughs> Literally, I forgot that was a thing. I know, right? Um, Joker. Um, I think that that's a tough one. I feel like Heath Ledger is the correct answer. I don't think, just for the sake of it, I, I don't think there's necessarily a correct answer. I think they all portray, and even to a certain degree, Jared Leto's performance, I think they all portray a different um, example of the Joker, and I think they're all pretty damn good. So Right. So, I mean, yeah. all, at the end of the day, Mark Hamill was my favorite, but you oh, said the animated I, series I, is off limits. Yes, <laughs> a, absolutely. And see, I'm the same way, and that's why I'm like, I can't do that. So, um, okay, fa- uh, favorite composer for the batman Daniel. cool great uh favorite suit i like michael keaton's suit i like how it was all black um 
which is weird for me because as a kid reading Batman comics, he was blue and gray and yellow with really pointy ears, like ridiculously pointy ears. And I thought that was pretty badass. But seeing seeing Michael Keaton's all black Batman with the yellow logo was pretty powerful. I agree. Okay. Uh, Gotham City. My favorite Gotham? Yeah. Um, the the iteration sure, of Gotham. Sure. Uh I would say I would say Tim Burton's Gotham. Okay. That is all I have. Do you have that list in front of you? Are you ready? Yeah. One, two, three, go. Who's your favorite Batman? Christian Bale. Uh favorite Batmobile. Um, the eighty nine Batmobile. Favorite Harvey Dent. Uh Aaron Eckhart. Favorite Joker? Heath Ledger. Slash Hamill. Yeah. <laughs> I, get, I I know it's it's hard for me. I have to leave Batman sure. series out. You know? I, I I get it. Uh, your favorite Bane? Uh, Tom Hardy. Uh, favorite Alfred? Michael Caine. Commissioner Gordon. Uh, Gary Oldman. Catwoman. Michelle Pfeiffer. Composer. Um, oh, this one was so hard because I love Hans Zimmer, but I think it's Danny Elfman. Okay, we'll come back to that. Um, okay. Favorite favorite suit. Ugh, 1989 Michael Keaton suit. Iconic. Cool. It's just iconic with the yellow. Like, it's just uh, it's perfect. Pops. Yeah, I know. It's great. Yeah. Um, Gotham City. Favorite Gotham City. Because um, Nolan's feels like it's just it, it, fucking it's like, your neighborhood. It's like, yeah, so. it's like Chicago. But that's yeah. what's cool about it. Um, oh, man. It's got to be the Tim Burton one then. And I think that that's fair because the the animated series is very much akin to the Tim Burton yes um, yes that universe. But as far as the composer goes, so the the thing that's really cool about Hans Zimmer's um, composition is the build up. I mm-hmm. love the build up, and then like when it goes, bah, bah, <laughs> like comes out, <laughs> like it's like oh my god, and then it yeah. goes back to like the that's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, I think that they're two different types of of scores, and that and that's why it's really hard because I love Hans Zimmer, but I just think that in terms of iconic Batman, to me is the is the Danny Elfman, um, you know the like that kind of shit, and um, I I just it's it's too hard to beat. So, but yeah, that's it, man. That's 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 the show. Do you have anything else to add? Um, no, not at all. That was a fun and festive show. I liked it. We're going to edit it, and we're going to cut it down to 10 minutes. So <laughs> I can do that. No thanks. Um, okay. Thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod, at EdgyArmo, and at ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts with us, and we'll discuss them on our show. Heck, you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode. Just please remember, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. (laughs)